direct your attention to our opening hymn, the first three verses of which are printed in the service bowl. Please rise. Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey. Let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful, and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil, and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given His only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by His authority, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
Our first reading for this Palm Sunday is the Old Testament prophecy and picture of the coming king and his kingdom from Zechariah chapter 9. Zechariah writes, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion, shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and brings salvation. He is humble and is riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bone will be taken away, and he will proclaim peace to the nations. His kingdom will extend from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you to turn to page 73 in the very front portion of your red hymnal, and on page 73 you will find our psalm for today, Psalm 24. Our second reading 
from Philippians chapter 2. As we see Christ riding into Jerusalem as a king, we also see that he willingly takes on the form of a servant. Paul writes, So then, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Sorry, pick it up in verse 5 there at the next line. Indeed, let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Though he was, by nature God, he did not consider equality with God as a prize to be displayed. But he emptied himself by taking the nature of a servant. When he was born in human likeness, and his appearance was like that of any other man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Our theme verse is printed for you there. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Thanks be to God. Please rise for the reading of our gospel. Our gospel reading from Mark chapter 11. The King comes to save his people. and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and told them, Go into the village ahead of you. As soon as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it, and he will send it back here without delay. They left, and they found a colt on the street tied at a door, and they untied it. Some who were standing there asked them, What are you doing untying that colt? The disciples answered them just as Jesus had instructed them, and the men let them go. They brought the colt to Jesus, threw their garments on it, and Jesus sat on it. Many people spread their garments on the road, others spread branches that they had cut from the fields. Those who went in front and those who followed were crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus. You may be seated for our next hymn, number 134.
Dear fellow redeemed, the contrast couldn't have been greater. In one area, one gate to the city, the reviled governor finally makes his entrance because he knows, he knows that he's been tasked with keeping this little armpit called Palestine from rioting. And he knows that that's been a consistent problem and a tiny little thorn in the side of the Roman Empire for the last 70 years. And it would continue to be so for the next 30 or 40. And so Pontius Pilate finally, finally gets to town, riding into town on a chariot, on a horse, being carried by slaves. Who really knows, and quite frankly, who really cares? But he leaves his seaside villa, and he finally gets to Jerusalem. And the people welcome him, I guess, because he's the guy in charge, and he's got a reputation for, for doing whatever it takes to keep a lid on things, including sending his own private guard into the temple courts and the temple area to slaughter those who were starting a rebellion. Jesus talked about that in Luke chapter 13. And yet, through another door, the crowds, the crowds are jubilant. As Jesus rides into town on a donkey, and they have to interrupt this steady little trickle of sheep that are being brought in from the fields through that gate, so that Jesus can join the procession. And the shouts and the cries and the palm branches waving, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. In the one gate, Pontius Pilate, with all the pomp that the Roman Empire can muster, at least for this little place called Palestine. And in another gate, Jesus Christ, the prophet from Nazareth. Pontius Pilate riding in with the authority of the Roman governor behind him and its soldiers before him, and Jesus, Jesus being accompanied by children waving palm branches and people casting their cloaks in his way. Jesus riding on a donkey the exact same way that every other king in the line of David had ever ridden to his coronation. And the people are jubilant, happy and singing, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, and God bless, God save the king, God bless the throne of David. What did they expect? Did they expect that Jesus would be exactly like David? Well, maybe. David, who would who would take the leadership by the horns and who would rally the people behind himself to finally unite the nation and make them strong again, who would finally beat away from, from their doorstep all of the enemies that oppressed them and opposed them. Jesus, who would establish Jerusalem, perhaps, one could hope, establish Jerusalem by kicking out the puppet King Herod, and by deposing that Pontius Pilate, troops and all, because after all, it's Passover. 
they've got, let's say, 300,000. That's a conservative estimate. Maybe 400,000, half a million people there in Jerusalem. And it wouldn't take too much. Once you've got the crowd in the palm of your hand, it wouldn't take too much to turn them and get them to help. What do they expect? A king. And that's what they got. They expected a king. They got a king because that's what they wanted. But what sort of a king was he? As they welcomed him with shouts and refrains and cries of Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David, Lord save us. As they welcomed him, what did they want? They expected a king, they got a king, they wanted, they wanted a king. The people, the people welcome him as a victor, victorious, waving palm branches of victory, and casting their cloaks down, saying, we are here to serve you. We're here to serve you. Whatever it takes, Jesus, just say the word. We don't want any of this, any of this dust to touch even the sandals of our king. They wanted a king. They expected a king. They got a king. What did they really need? They needed a king. Yeah, they needed Jesus. They needed a king. A King Jesus. But he wasn't exactly the type that they expected, nor the king that they wanted, but exactly the king that they needed. Because as As Jesus joins the procession of Passover lambs, and the people are shouting and singing, singing all their joyful songs about the restoration of the kingdom of David and the establishing of his throne that will last forever and ever, and finally the glory of their nation Israel, they expected a king, they needed a king, they wanted a king, they welcomed him as a king, but the exact king that we see on Palm Sunday could not have a greater contrast than the King Pontius Pilate presents on Friday. Pontius Pilate riding in through that other that other gate to perhaps the sullen silence of a nation and a people that didn't really like him. His presence there was despicable. His ruling government there was a reminder that the glory was gone. But they welcomed the other one. They welcomed King Jesus. Songs of Hosanna, Lord save us. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. They expected a king, they wanted a king, they needed a king, they got a king. But the king that they got, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey, the one whom all the expectations, all the expectations just kind of evaporate over the course of the next five days as this king is mocked and crowned. And the coronation that he rides to is not the throne of David in, in, a, in a Jerusalem palace, but the throne of David crowned with thorns. Because the type of king that he is is the king that they needed not the king that they wanted, not the king that they expected. And as we stand here at the brink of Holy Week, I ask you, 
What sort of a king is it that we expect? What sort of a king is it that we want? Because it would be, it would be incredibly simple. It would be incredibly simple to say, well, we know the, Christ, the facts of the Christian faith, and we know that this Jesus died to bring us to God, and so what we want is a king who will finally, finally set up his throne. Well, we won't put it like that. But we'll have a king who will make us successful. Who will make sure that, that all of our members are here every Sunday. And who will make sure that, that the name of God in this area, in this region, is proclaimed far and wide. And that people come, come rallying to it. Rallying to hear the word of God as the treasure it is. Rallying with their palm branches and the shouts of Hosanna, Lord save us. Finally coming to the place where God promises to save us. The king that we expect. What about the king that we want? A king who, who comes to bow his head and to carry the sin of the world, of you and me? We, we understand that. But it would be incredibly simple to say the king that we want is more the king that is somewhat more practical to everyday life and who has more to say and more guidance for how I ought to live. The king that we want. A king who will recognize that, you know, the people who are gathered here are, are good people, generally, and they're not like all the other people who make the police report in the newspaper and who live in the other side of the tracks. A king that we want. Who would recognize the, the effort that we put in to serve our Lord, and who would recognize, who would recognize the fact that we are here to serve God and to worship Him with our whole hearts and would at least, you know, give us a little bit of credit for that. A king who would just look our way and say, yes, you're on the right track. The king that we expect. The king of success. The king that we want. The king of congratulations. The king that we need. The king whose throne is a cross. Who, who comes to a people who are his own, yet his own did not receive him. The king who recognizes and sees the sinful realities that lie tucked away in our own hearts. That we came into this world spiritually dead and blind, but not like, not like a stone that he picks up and takes to be his own, but as spiritually dead and blind enemies of God. And it's not like God just flips a switch and we're always at his side, but we've got that sinful flesh that clings to us and hinders our best efforts so that we, we agree with Paul. Lord, the good I want to do, I don't do, and what I don't, keep on, what I don't want to do, this I keep on doing, and it is so incredibly frustrating. Who will rescue me? Hosanna. Lord, save us. Who will rescue us? Not the king of our expectations. Not the king of our wants. Not the king of our congratulations. But the king who comes to carry sin. The king who comes as the Lamb of God, as eternal God, enthroned in unapproachable light, who always and forever enjoys the praises of the holy angels, and yet 
the king who takes on the form of a servant and rides into Jerusalem, yes, as a king, but as a king who rides into Jerusalem also as the Lamb of God, who would lay down his life for you and for me to establish his kingdom. That's the best part. Because the king that we expect, the king that we wanted, the king that we need, answers all of that and more. Because he's not a king of, of simple congratulation and encouragement, but a king who establishes a throne that will last forever. And the words that Zechariah writes here are absolutely true, but it would be very simple and far too easy to read those through the lenses of what we expect and what we want rather than what we need. Listen to what he says. Um, Look, your king has come to you righteous and bring salvation, humble and riding on a donkey. Um, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow will be taken away, and he will proclaim peace to the nations. His kingdom will extend from sea to sea, from the rivers to the ends of the earth. The expectation might say, All right, anytime now, Jesus. The want might say, Well, yeah, Jesus, come on. If you want to be really practical and straightforward about this, think of how many more people that you could bring into your kingdom and bring into heaven if you would just set up some sort of visible earthly throne. But the king that we need, in his divine wisdom, the king that we need has chosen to build an eternal kingdom, not one that is visible, one that is invisible, at least right now, and he builds this eternal kingdom through his word and sacrament. This eternal kingdom that the gates of hell will never overcome, perhaps that rings a bell. Because the Jesus who rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and laid down his life on the cross, the very next thing he does after that, when his soul returns and revivifies his body, the very next thing that he does, he doesn't just ride through Jerusalem, he goes down to hell and rides through hell to say, you know what, Satan? You've been totally, completely conquered. You know, it's one thing, I kind of described this the other week, it's one thing at the end of World War II to have a parade in the, and a ticker tape parade in the streets of New York City. But it would be another thing entirely to walk through the streets of, of Tokyo unharmed. And that's what Jesus did. Not the king that we expected, not the king that we wanted, but exactly the king that we needed. And the king who now promises to you and to me that the kingdom he has built will endure forever. And you, my friends, are a member of that kingdom. Your citizenship papers were signed in blood at the cross and the empty tomb. They were handed to you and committed to your heart in holy baptism. They are proclaimed as we join together in the song of... <laughs> the song of the people of Jerusalem and the song of the saints and angels in heaven. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who reigns on David's throne forever and ever. You see, that's not a kingdom we can discern and see with our own eyes right now. The best we can do is go by what somebody says they believe. A statement of faith. And compare that to the only unchanging thing in all of human history, which is Holy Scripture. And the best that we can do is say, well, you're teaching what the Bible says, so we're confident. 
we're confident that at that place, Christ has built his kingdom. And the kingdom that he has built, not the kingdom that we expected, maybe not even the kingdom that we wanted, but exactly the kingdom that we needed, a kingdom that has qualified you to carry a palm branch forever. Not just on Palm Sunday in a procession with the children, but to stand before the eternal throne of this king. This king who conquered death, who paid for sin, who stomped on the devil and crushed his head, has now qualified you and entrusted into your hands a spot in this kingdom today and forever. And the way that you know that and the way that he keeps you there is right here. It doesn't look like much. It doesn't look like much more than than a son of God riding into Jerusalem on a little old donkey. It doesn't look like much to see water dripping off a baby's head or to hear a pastor announce your sin is forgiven or to kneel next to your brothers and sisters in the faith and to receive your forgiveness once again. But what were you expecting? What did we want? What did we need? And so everything, everything that we do is joining that procession with our King. Palm branches of victory in our hearts and one day in our hands, singing with the children and the saints and the angels forever, Hosanna to the Son of David, our King. Hosanna Lord, save us. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I invite you to turn to page 19, the very front portion of your red hymnal, where we will join in confessing, one might say, the... uh, the anthem of the kingdom, the Apostles' Creed. Page 19. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated as we worship the Lord with our offering.
Please rise for prayer. We pray. Lord Jesus, you are the King of heaven and earth. We join the first Palm Sunday worshipers in praising and glorifying you for coming to this earth to be our Savior. Though you are one with God the Father and Lord of all, you humbled yourself and became one with us. Thanks be to you for living a life of perfect conformity to God's holy law in our place. Praise be to you for being obedient to death, even to death on a cross, to redeem us from sin. Cause our voices to blend with those who sang your praises as you wrote into Jerusalem. Move us to confess you before others as our Lord. Help us to proclaim the message of peace and forgiveness to people of all nations, and use us to assure all people that your blood has cleansed them from sin and set them free from slavery to sin, death, and the devil. Dear Savior, as we walk with you this week toward Calvary, keep us focused on your purpose for coming into this world and on our calling to spread this wonderful message of salvation. Hear us for your mercy's sake as we join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated for our next hymn, number 133.
Please rise for prayer. Almighty God, grant to your church the Holy Spirit and the wisdom that comes from above. Let nothing hinder your word from being freely proclaimed to the joy and edifying of Christ's holy people, so that we may serve you in steadfast faith and confess your name as long as we live. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. seated for our closing
morning once again. Uh, special welcome to the guests worshiping with us today. And I think I owe you all an apology because we're done exceptionally early. <laughs> Don't mean to uh, demolish my reputation, but that kind of brings our sermon average down about 26 minutes, I think. Um, there is a, a note up here. Set up group one and clean up group two. Um, of course, with Easter coming up next Sunday and the rest of the schedule highlighted for you in your service folder. Um, finally, does anybody know like 19 times 3? Anybody good at math here? 57. All right, we'll go. Dear Shepherd of the Lakes, greetings in the Lord. Roughly four weeks ago, you know what I'm going to say. Our sister congregation in Maumee, Ohio, sent me a divine call to serve as their pastor. I thought intently about my call here. I reviewed some comments from the calls I received eight months ago and many more with this. The arrival of the call is the promise of only good things from Jesus, both for the pastor and the congregations involved, no matter the final decision. The biggest question that a pastor considers is simple, but not easy. Where can I, with my specific gifts, best serve the interests of God's kingdom? After much prayer, after considering the needs of both places, and after seeking the measured insight of brothers and sisters in Christ at both places, I've decided that serving Resurrection Lutheran Church is where I may best serve in our Lord's harvest field. Standing here today, I'm most reminded of Christ's words in Mark 3, when he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Mark 3, 34 and 35. Fairmont has been a wonderful place to live and a wonderful place to raise a family, but you all have made this place a home from the very first day we arrived. And because of you, Shepherd of the Lakes, and Fairmont, Minnesota will always hold a tender place in our hearts. There's more there. I just skipped it. <laughs> um, I guess uh, District President Degner will be down on April 8th, the Sunday after um, after Easter, during Bible class hour. And I've got a handout. If uh, I'll hand it to Brandon here, I'll drink the water. Whose um, relative is my godmother? So we're basically family. And uh, he's got a handout that he'll hand out before you guys leave, just so there's, you know, a little bit more context from what we talked about last week. Anyway, um, I did talk to my supervising pastor from Vicar Year, and, uh, and he took the call after 18 years and having returned like 40 or 50. And, um, and his comment was that it was the toughest day of his life. And I would tend to agree. Anyway. Um, which is always a good thing. God bless you. Jerusalem, the Thanks for listening to Green Pastures with Jesus, the audio home of Shepherd of the Lakes Lutheran Church of Fairmont, Minnesota. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our website, www.shepherdofthelakes.net. Pass that along to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archive section at our website for previous podcasts. You can find us 9.30 a.m. Sunday mornings at 323 East 1st Street in Fairmont, just up the hill from Richard's Towing. 
Any questions, contact me, Pastor Hagen, 507-236-9572. God bless your day. God bless you on.